Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. Now, today's episode, I'm going to talk about deloads and refeeds. Main reason because it's a time of year where you'll see a lot of people who are prepping put on their Instagram stories about, oh, you know, I get so many rice cakes and jam, I get like a, a Big Mac and a quarter pounder with cheese, and I'm doing this, and a lot of people look at it and they go, how are they able to eat that and then still drop body fat? And then it kind of gives them an idea in their mind if they're doing it on their own, like, oh, well, does that mean I should have a refeed if, and then I'll lose body fat when, in essence, probably not. So if we were to think about what a refeed entails and what it is, one of my clients actually asked me the other day, he's like, I'm not too clued up on the, the, the technical jargon. And I often will speak and say these things just, you know, without thinking about it. So if we are entering a dieting phase and we have a certain amount of body weight that we want to pull off, or body fat that we want to pull off, should I say, then we do that over a set period of time. Now, let's say that time period is 18 weeks. And in that those 18 weeks, uh, we're ahead of progress. And maybe perhaps we're too far ahead or we need to slow the rate of loss down. Then there's a few options we can do. We could simply adjust the daily calorie intake up and give someone more food on every single given day so they've got more energy to train, etc, um, etc. Et or what we could do is we could put a lot of food in on one day. Another option is we can kind of split that between two. So I've done both and I'll give you my opinion on them. So when we go with a one day refeed, um, usually classically these will be for like your male athletes, competitors, maybe perhaps your more muscular female athletes. Now on that one given day, um, let's say someone's dieting on, if it's a guy, they may be dieting on 200, 250 grams of carbohydrates. On that given day, uh, you maybe give them say six fifty, maybe you go north of that and you like as as there depends on their conditioning, and you go seven hundred, seven fifty or whatnot. So on that given day, the majority of those extra calories are going to come from carbohydrates, and the main thing that will do, it'll serve the purpose. It will be to top them up. It'll be to help them regain muscle fullness. So the muscle belly size is like visually looks bigger and that's just muscle glycogen so when you put in that extra food one they're going to feel amazing it's a big sort of psychological relief but two they look a little bit better as well and then because you obviously gained a little bit of weight that slows the rate loss down now this is completely person dependent but usually um you would sort of expect to see that come back down within like a five-day period and hit a new low within seven days and someone says hit a new low Vaughn what do you what do you mean by that so how does that work so as we're in a calorie deficit let's say that's over the course of 16 weeks I always describe it as we're digging a hole right let's say we're using a shovel and um, we're chucking out dirt and the hole's getting pretty big after like say eight weeks now then a refeed comes along and the refeed we're going to look at it we're going to look at it like sand so we chuck 
some sand in that sort of hole that we've been digging. Now, you'll know sand's quite fine particles and it finds its way to kind of like go in between the dirt and it doesn't really fill the hole up back at all. But then the next day, someone goes straight into digging again. But because they've got this extra fuel in there, they can dig a little bit faster, right? They can dig a little bit harder, more intense. What do I mean by that? Well, they're training harder, they're moving harder. So our ability to drive ourselves further into an energy deficit by putting more food in is there. That's pretty damn cool, isn't it? Now, again, it depends on the size of the individual, on the size of the feed. Personally, uh, I had a two high days a couple of weeks ago. Well, God, by the time this podcast goes out, it'll be a month ago. Um, of 750 and that kept me topped up for seven days before we started seeing a new low um, and I'd reached but I'd got back down to my weight pre-feed within five days but after those days I was back down but I looked better. Now one of the reasons you can look better as well that I should probably go into is mitigating glucocorticoids that's a big fancy fucking word isn't it so as we diet, you'll all know you've heard of cortisol, right? Is the body's primarily main hormone re- or stress response hormone released uh, by the adrenal glands, and it will not wreak havoc, but it will be the enemy of fat loss, and it will elicit a little bit of muscle breakdown. So that's not what we want, right? Now one of the ways that we can reduce glucocorticoids is by putting in more food like carbohydrates it works very very well right so we reduce that on the body we reduce inflammation we reduce this hormone circulating around the body that we know is the quote-unquote enemy of fat loss so our body's systems that regulate fat mobilization are more efficient with cortisol levels being a little bit lower you combine that with this sort of feeling better, then there's no brainer why a refeed works. However, that that isn't the purpose of today's episode. The purpose of today's episode, when chatting about refeeds, is to talk about why you don't need them. And the reason I say that is because there'll be a lot of females listening, uh, perhaps they're beginner bikini girls, or they're attempting their first photo shoot or whatnot, um, they often can get like food envy and jealousy when they see some male bodybuilders having these large amounts of food um, and it can be unfair. Why can't I have them? And Listen, it's all inter-individual. I've seen myself refeed some females in, that, in, in the time I've coached. I've seen myself not refeed them at all during an 18-week prep. Simple reason why, they didn't need it. And... We think about, if we take a male bodybuilder versus uh, a female athlete, a bikini girl, the male bodybuilder will have a lot more muscle mass. And muscle mass is metabolically active, and that means that it requires calories to hang around. right? It needs calories to just be present and to not break down. Now, think about the criteria for a bikini. You don't need to be massive you don't need to have a lot of muscle mass you need to have some but you don't need to be jacked so you couldn't compare 
uh, like 100 kilo bodybuilder to a on stage 45, 46 kilo bikini girl. It just doesn't happen, right? The male bodybuilder is probably going to be dieting on in excess of two and a half thousand calories, maybe more. Uh, the female might perhaps have had to have went low as 800 calories on a daily average. Now that might seem quite drastic, but you know people say to me, Yvonne, how low do you go? And I'm like, as low as you need to. I've seen females get lean on no less than 1400 calories. And then I've seen females have to pull down to literally 700 calories on a training day just to get conditioned because their body doesn't respond. It is all person dependent. It is all dependent upon so many factors that there should not be a generic, here's the number, go with it. But just understand that if you are prepping to extremities, whether you're a guy or a girl, you're going to need to go low calories for you. And what low calories are for me will be a lot higher than what they'll be for a bikini girl. And it's all individual and we could argue and say this, that and the next thing, but it will always be harder for females to get leaner. They'll always have to move a little bit more do more cardio, survive on less food, but usually, like their caloric demands aren't as high, so they don't need as much food, so the hunger signal might not be as aggressive as a male bodybuilder who has a large amount of tissue that needs 3,000 calories, 3,500 calories just to stay as he is. So please don't be aware, I had someone message me, and I hope they're listening to this podcast, I won't name them, but they said to me, oh, um, I thought I should refeed because... I'm worried about losing muscle mass and, you know, I think I should refeed so that I don't. And I'm like, who in the blue hell told you that that's the purpose of a refeed? Because it's just simply not true. The whole process of ensuring you don't lose muscle mass would be ensuring that you split your protein intake adequately across the day. You're dosing it every sort of two, two and a half, three hours, just so we're staying on top of muscle protein synthesis. And by that, I just mean building, right? We're in this Think of a seesaw, how a seesaw works, right? We've got muscle protein breakdown on one side. We've got muscle protein building on another side. We want the muscle protein building side to win all fucking day. Now, the only reason we do that is ensuring we have this constant flow of amino acids in the body. Now, if you don't know, amino acids are the building blocks of protein. It's what protein is broken down into that our body then uses to recover our muscles from training and and help us grow so try not confuse what a refeed is versus what perhaps someone's telling you you might be seeing it as a day that someone gets to eat whatever the fuck they want but usually it is strategic and if any of my male athletes out there listening they'll know that when i've refeed them the next day they have to check in with their weight and with video or photographs And then if I don't quite like the look of that, they have to do it again the next day. And then sometimes as we do this, as we get closer to the show or the shoot, we find that they actually look better two days after the feed, whereas another client might look at their best the day after. So, I mean, take, uh, let's take Ali and Liam, for example. They're probably both listening. Liam looked at his best on two-day load, first day was just a medium, second day was quite a high day um, with like, we put burgers and chips in there, he, looked, he woke up and he just looked insane on show day, right, whereas Ali, we went high on day one, smaller load on day two, and 
than he looked at his best on show day then. So we kind of flipped that on, on its side, if that makes sense. Two great physiques, looked great for the shows, done really, really well, but the loading process was a little bit different for that. But the only way we figured that out was trial runs. So yes, we were refeeding them, but it was also like practice carb loads. And again, what you'll often find is that the leaner that somebody gets, the more frequent you have to refeed them. Again, one of the main reasons because is because the, the body wants to hold on to so much in as you diet down, right? All metabolic processes slow. Everything, you just feel shite. And when we put a bit more food in, everything upregulates. It upregulates, but again, think of the concept of the, the dirt and the sand. We just start digging again. You know what I mean? And there comes a point when someone's dieting where you just don't want to dig anymore. And in doing so will mean that they would lose muscle mass. And that's for any good coach to to really be to decide for their client their athlete, right? At what point do you say, listen, we just can't get any leaner without sacrificing tissue and I'm not willing to do that. There's come a time in my coaching career where I've said to a client, listen, that was the leanest we could have got. And if we had tried to get any leaner, you just would look stringy, you would have you know, you just would have looked like you'd lost mass. And there's been other times where we've said, you know what? We should have been a bit leaner. And it's all it's all been a learning curve for me. Um, and that's why I'm just so fortunate to work with the clients that I do because at the times that I've got it wrong, um, for the majority, of t- like I'll hold my hand up and the majority of them just say, Vaughn, that's all right. We'll know for next time. And we come back next show, which could be in a couple of weeks, next month, or it could be the, the following year, and they look better. And they win or they place or they get a British invite. And to have to, to like to have someone for like for me to at times made a wrong decision and then for someone to have said that's okay they put the trust back in you and then for a year you kind of go on trying to rectify it and then you get the result it's really fucking special moment watching that um and for the clients that i prepped last year there was some moments uh, of that uh, based on the 2018 um athletes and uh, yeah they'll know who they are and it was it was pretty damn awesome so that is hopefully giving you more of an understanding of the concept of refeeds how they work who they should work for and why you might not need them now deloads this again is something i asked a client hey when was the last time you deloaded and he went what does that mean and what i often find is i don't really necessarily track clients like individually clients when they deload. I just often run them every sort of eight to 12 weeks. And clients will often forget as well. So when they show signs of needing a deload, I'm like, oh, when was the last time we deload? And they're like, oh, three months ago. I'm like, right, back off the gas. So before I go any further, I should explain what a deload is. So let's say we are in a bulk phase or a push phase, whatever you want to call it. And we're progressing load time and time again. Week in, week out, we're just beating our logbook, we're getting stronger, we're adding more weight on the bar, um, and the total load that's going through the body is just increasing over time. Now, inevitably, the body will break down, right, in that instance. So, this happens for a few reasons. Number one, our, our muscles can often, they can keep up 
with these increased demands and loads. But like connective tissue and our joints, they just can't. So we start to get a little bit niggles, right? At, the, at those heavy loads, perhaps a rep, we're not really focusing on it quite as much. We perhaps maybe get a slight niggle, a slight injury, right? That's one sign, is a little niggle. Number two, your energy levels just are shit. You just feel crap all the time. Why is that? A couple of reasons. We have an increase in sympathetic drive or an increase in stress on the body and an increase in neural fatigue. Now you're thinking, Vaughn, what the fuck does that mean? Right, so our nervous system, the sort of system the, from the brain all the way down to the muscle to tell it to contract sends a, a, a pretty much a signal, an impulse, say it contract, contract. But because we are asking it to do this all the time and we're asking it to do it stronger and to get the muscle to contract harder and whatnot, that builds up some sense of fatigue. And the signs of that is just really poor energy levels. Now, another sign could be your strength takes a hit, you start to stall on everything, and coinciding with that, sleep usually goes to shit. You start to like sleep poorly, you're waking up infrequently, you're taking a while to get to sleep, perhaps you're feeling a bit sore, like your muscles aren't recovering as much, sex drive will be down. Yeah, no one mentions that. They all say libido, right? You just, you won't really feel like you've got that get up and go as such, guys. Um, so if you're feeling or experiencing any of those, it's time to back off the gas a little bit. So let's say you've been pushing things up for about 10 weeks. Then you start to notice all these signs. What you need to do is back off in the sense of you're not going to completely come away from training, but you're going to have a bit more time away from training than you'd like. Let's say you're running a five-day split across the week. You're running three on, um, one off, two on, one off, and or, or, or whatever you're doing, two on, one off, etc. Now, here's how I like to work it with clients. I like them to have four full, complete days off, and in that time frame, I want them to be as sedentary as possible, I'm going to reduce their step count down. If they're doing cardio, I'm just going to change it to less. That might just be for their own sanity. Often I'll pull out cardio completely. And I'm just probably going to keep food between sort of non-training day and then training day calories. I'm not going to go one or the other. If I was to go one or the other, it would be because we're in a specific phase, whether we're prepping or we're recomping or we're bulking. If we're bulking, the calories can stay a little bit higher. If someone's like recomping and I deload them, I'll probably stick the calories at non-training day. I'll maybe even lower them a little bit just so we can still elicit fat loss that week without doing much training. So let's say you've had four days off. And then in the subsequent three days thereafter, what I'd recommend is you train once, one or two times. And in that session, let's just make it an upper pump session, right? So nothing to failure. Let's say you take six, maybe seven exercises. They could be your favorite ones if you like. And all you're gonna focus on is the stretch, the street, squeeze and the contraction. Just two to three sets each exercise. But rather than it be, we're gonna say your 12 to 15 rep max. We're gonna do 12 to 15 reps, but we're just gonna reduce our max weight by about sort of 30 to 40%. Now you're gonna think that's gonna seem really light, but the whole idea and the purpose 
of that training session is simply to shunt blood around the body and to act as just some sort of stimulus for you to feel good, to just, maybe you're feeling a bit lethargic because you've had a few days off, um, and just to keep things kind of quote-unquote ticking over. Now in that time frame, what you do is, you know, you, you think back to earlier on the episode I mentioned about glucocorticoids. So the likes of cortisol is reduced because you're not smashing your body day in day out and producing high levels of stress. Something like adrenaline, noradrenaline, which is at high levels usually from a stress response from the body, again, are fairly low. Now we want that when we train, but we don't want it when with you train. So if we have a heightened state of stress, we often find that catecholamines like adrenaline, noradrenaline are at such high levels out with training that that's why it affects our sleep, it affects our mood, it affects our ability to digest food and partition nutrients. So that sort of few days off will help reduce that as well. In that time frame that you've had some days off, maybe you're going to have a massage, you're going to get some treatment, you're going to have a bath, you're just going to take care of your body and allow it to recover a little bit more. So the niggles that you were experiencing perhaps are dissipate, right? So I had a client, you'll be listening, he had the signs of like a little bit of pain in his traps going into his, his neck and in his head. As it right, that's the sign of exertion headache coming on. Back off, like everything completely. I used to wait to train, I was like, abort, abort, abort. And then did that whole same protocol I suggested, uh, came back and it, it was needed. He hit PBs, headache, no, no signs of a headache, no signs of a niggle, everything had gone. Um, now, in that time frame as well, the sleep cycle should massively improve again because you're not eliciting massive amounts of um, surges in adrenaline, noradrenaline. You've been very placid. You're making sure that you're sleeping. Maybe you're going to sleep in. You're going to go to bed earlier. Um, you're going to ensure that if you usually get seven and a half hours, you're going to try and push that up to about nine, nine and a half hours when you are deloading. And then often it can be so hard mentally to back off the gas but it's just so needed. And I am terrible, terrible at deloading myself. And I will often push it far too far and kind of almost get injured, which I shouldn't. I'm a fucking idiot. But um, yeah, that's maybe one thing. If someone's asked me my flaws, it's like knowing to deload early and not have an emotional attachment to hitting a fucking number um, in my logbook that I always tend to do. But the older, older and wiser I get, or the older I get, sorry, should I say, um, the wiser I think I'm getting. I'll be 30 here soon, um, which by the time this goes out, it'll be three, two weeks till I'm till I'm 30, which is pretty damn crazy, but then not really a lot of time to the shows. So excited and looking forward to that. Um, so back to deloading. Um, you've done, say, so you've had four full days off, in those three days after one to two sessions, when you come back, you should be able to go full tilt. So just make sure in those pump sessions that there's nothing neurally demanding, nothing taxing. So you're not doing big ass hack squats, RDLs, sumo deadlifts, nothing like that. Everything that you do, you're sort of locked in on much stability as you can, stretch and squeeze and then go from there. So I hope that gives you a simplistic view of how to deload. Now I'm sure there's some people out there that are like, Bon, but you know, can you tell us like 
the, the sort of like scientific stuff behind signs of needing a deal and I'll say right okay I will but I'm going to try and keep it as basic and in layman's terms as I can so resting heart rate is a really good sign of stress on the body everybody wears a Fitbit right so when you wake up have a look at your Fitbit if you've noticed over the past few weeks you might have not had any of those signs that I had said but you might track that so if you've noticed that your resting heart rate is increasing it might be time to deload some of you may track heart rate variability right which is the nanosecond time difference between heartbeats now the higher that that number is the less stress there is on the body so if you're tracking hrv and you see that trend south trend downward again that is perhaps a sign that you need to deload some of you out there may manage your blood sugars or you may check your fasted blood glucose levels if you are noticing chronically high levels first thing in the morning, it is probably just a sign that you need to deal with. Again, think about cortisol levels being a little bit higher, the lack of ability to partition nutrients, cortisol will affect that. And for the most part, I've already talked about sleep, but the sleep cycle is deteriorating your ability to stay in a restatory state of sleep, it's probably time to deload. And to look at it like you should be getting 10 to 15 percent of your total sleep should be deep if it's not you need to address that if you're someone that's always been a shite sleeper then perhaps address your pre-bed routine the fact that you're on your phone and you know you're doing work until bedtime is maybe perhaps why you're not sleeping so don't just go off like if one of these factors is off you don't need to deload but what I would say is if you notice like two or three things out of everything I've said in regards to noticing needing the signs of a deload like back off and just like have no hesitance with it because when I've pushed it too far you get injured and rather than having to take a week off legs I've had to take like two or three and and I was just a grumpy bastard at the time because the one thing I love about bodybuilding is training legs so Ensure you don't push it too far and cause yourself an injury that'll mean you need to take longer out. And understand that at times you're going to need to take one step backward to take two steps forward. But every single time I have came back from a deload, I have always came back stronger, more efficient, not as sore, recovering better, sleeping better, just feeling like a fucking better human being. So... With that being said, from my experience, I will now always, with a client, get them to back off immediately. I'm learning with myself to back off the gas when I should. Um, you might be thinking, but Vaughn, if I'm in prep, can I deload? Yeah, well, why couldn't you? I mean, an argument could say that if you're, like, say, six, seven weeks out, you're behind in regards to progress but you're, you're seeing all those signs, then God, for a week, just up food and back off. You know, mitigate mitigate stress, mitigate the effects of stress, and then boom, next week, drop drop the hammer, go back into an aggressive dieting phase where the body's in a better position to mobilise fat. Now, you try telling someone that's on prep that close to a show to back off the gas, they just won't want to do it. But often, not a lot of people are tracking all that data I just said. You'd be lucky if 
two out of ten people were tracking all that. I think that the industry is changing now, and a lot of coaches out there are tracking all those variables with their clients, and if they're not, they should. But often, just like just get to know your clients. By that point, they should be checking in every second day, if not, you know, for six weeks out, it's got, it should be daily, and you should kind of just know how they are, what their lifestyle is like, what their bloody bathroom habits are like. And if you don't, get to know them, get to know your clients better, because in doing so, you'll just get better results. Like, if you've worked with someone for a couple years, you'll know when they need to back off. Take, take, take Clara as an example. Last year, I remember, I was in Mexico, and she was 47.2 kilos, I think, at the time. And we were two and a half, or I think it was maybe three, I think it was three weeks out. And things weren't moving, or hadn't moved, you know, we were sort of stalling a little bit. I was looking at the look, and I was like, because I've known her for so long, I'm like, we're, we're, we're pushing too much here. And in that moment, I just decided, I went, right, no more hit training. Switch everything over to, uh, I think it was incline walk. And I was like, take food up to, I think at the time she was on average in at 900. Um, and I was like, today, 12.50. Check in tomorrow. The next day she looked better, weight was down. Same thing, today, 12.50. And, you know, we adjusted stuff, macros, on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, sorry. And as I upped her food and I pulled her cardio down, guess what happened? She got leaner. Yeah. Her stage weight was like 45.5. And she looked just as muscular at 45.5 as she did at 47, but she looked just better. She was leaner. We saw, you know, a little bit of fullness in the delts. Um, she was nice and tight in the legs. She wasn't stringing or anything like that. She just looked on point, and then that was obviously rewarded with her winning her pro card um, in UKUP in women's bikini and women's fitness model. But from like two, three weeks before her last show, our first show, averaging at nine hundred calories, to by the very end of the British finals, she had calories up at fourteen hundred. We'd reversed it out. Her stage weight for her first regional UKUP was 45.6. And I think her stage weight for the British finals was 45.5. So we held her absolutely fine through daily changes or adjustments or daily monitoring, should I say. Because when someone's that lean, their head goes their head goes to shit. And if you've ever been that lean, you'll, you'll wake up one day and you'll just think you're... like you, one, you wake up one day and you think you're fat as fuck and you look shit. Then the next hour... You think you just like, you know, oh my God, you look amazing. Look at these delts. Then the next hour you're like, oh my God, I'm so small. And you're just like, your, your mind isn't quite there. It's like brain fog. So this is where like, obviously what I, I wasn't dieting. I wasn't lean. Um, and I've, I know what clients are like and their minds are like. So I was able to, uh, I think at the time, um, change your perspective. And even with clients today, uh, this still happens and it's just your job as a coach to support them mentally and to understand that they're always going to have the same problems. It's always going to have to be something to do with they don't feel like they're going to be ready in time. They don't feel like they're lean enough. They don't feel like they're, they're, they're wondering or they're stressed because the scale's not moving. Um, but 
through just uh, some wise words, we can often calm them down. And a few days later, they're often looking better and, and leaner and, and weighing less as well. So I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here. Um, as I always do, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know that I like to talk. And that is no surprise. Now, what I wanted to do is just open the floor as such to anyone out there who is listening that is wanting to know a bit more information about deloads and refeeds to just drop me a DM, just drop me a message. Um, if you've heard something that is sparks of interest, if you're wondering, if you like, if you message me saying, hey Vaughn, I think I might need a deload, what do you think? That won't be enough information for me, right? You're going to need to tell me everything that's been going on and whatnot for me to give you a, a rough idea. But then I'll always say it's your decision or you know, it's your coach's decision because your coach should be monitoring all this stuff. Um, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, what I'd ask is please share it on your Instagram stories. Um, all I ask is that you just tell someone about this podcast. If there was a price of the podcasting, I would say just tell one person. If you've listened to it, you know, about 400 people listen to these episodes, if not more. If they listen to that and they like it and they tell one person, that's 800 people it could impact and have a positive or should say have a positive impact on their journey and their strive for, you know, becoming an elite version of themselves. So please do that. Um, and I hope you enjoyed today's episodes. Wherever you are, whatever you do, give it the beans.